Hey, this is Kristen Yorka, host of the Wild Wonder podcast. I just wanted to jump in real quick and share with you a new opportunity on our Patreon page. Patreon subscribers now get access to the Wild Wonder book club, where we mainly focus on translated literary fiction and books by writers from marginalized communities. Book club members receive a monthly invite to our live coffee, no spoilers meetup, a Wild Wonder podcast tie-in, rituals, and more. To join our book club this month, become a Patreon supporter for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash wild wonder. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Wild Wonder podcast, where we seek to democratize and demystify holistic wellness practices by speaking with today's leading practitioners. Today is return guest and friend of the podcast, Sophia Horniak of Divine Void Sophia, who is a channeler, explorer of the Akasha and conduit. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. So happy to see your smiling face. Um, we were actually supposed to do this podcast, I want to say about two months ago. I just want to like backtrack a little and you reached out and you're like, everything has changed. And I I felt like I was in the same space. I was like, thank God you said that because everything has changed for me. Um, (laughs) so I think a lot of us during that time made like a sharp right turn. What did that feel like for you? Totally. Um, so it's, it's funny because it, it feels like sudden right like the sharp right turn but there's also a level of it that's like if you you know retrospectively that this has been progressing in this way um so you know in in my own experience looking back at it now uh, maybe a year and a half ago when i was on the podcast the last time Mm -hmm. um i felt like my life was starting to mold in a certain Mm. way, but I didn't know what that meant, right? Right. Like, I feel like a lot of us were on the precipice Mm -hmm. of something and we were just hoping, at least, you know, those that are listening and, you know, in that spiritual um, lifestyle, I think we were all just kind of on the precipice of this change. And of course, you know, with the pandemic, I think that on a macro cosmic scale, there was a forced shift that we Mm. all had to adhere to. Um, So, you know, even though I knew I was on the precipice and I knew I was, I was, you know, following the breadcrumbs, I really didn't know what that meant, right? Right. You're just like, (laughs) you're just walking in faith. You're just moving in faith and you're just listening to the science and trying to be open and continuing on the best you can. And then it's like all the little puzzle pieces that you found on the way just click. And even though I feel that everything has changed for me and my practice and who I am and how I represent myself and how I show up, um, I still know that this is just another scene in that play. So as I'm in this new space, I know there's new puzzle pieces that are going to click even more. Um, But I do feel like like it has clicked you know i do feel somewhat more whole Mm. rather than putting the pieces together 
And you're, you're talking about following the breadcrumbs and, and having faith, but having faith is tough when you're find, trying to find the breadcrumbs. I think we are like, when we come full circle, we're like, yeah, of course it was supposed to end up like this. But can you describe kind of the feelings of how you were able to hold that space? Because the in-between is kind of the hardest part. It, if sometimes for a lot of us, we don't want to be in the in-between and we just jump straight to the next thing. How were you able to hold that, have that container for yourself? Um, well, first off, it wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, um, during that time too, in my personal life, you know, again, we have the pandemic and I had just had a baby and mm. we had just moved and, you know, had to hire a lawyer um, because we were being bullied and, and stalked and threatened by this old realtor. And, you know, there's all these crazy pieces and it was kind of like, it was so chaotic. I had no other option. Mm. Right. And I definitely come from the, um, the school of, of, especially with working with shadow, understanding that when these quote, bad things happen, there's a bigger piece to it. There's mm. something, there's something more I'm supposed to learn. And I think having that ingrained in me, um, I'm kind of comfortable in chaos, mm. right? So all of this chaos is happening. I understand that things are shifting. Now, not everyone understands that. Um, but there are moments where you have doubts. There are moments where you're like, this isn't working or Am I just, the big one is, am I just crazy? Yeah. Am I just insane, right? <laughs> um, but then I feel every moment that I wanted to give up, every moment that I felt like I'm going crazy, there would be something so otherworldly, so, so it, it's like, you know, when you're tripping on acid and you're like, there's no way that happened in real life. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like these, those moments moments right so I'd be like I'm done I don't know like this isn't working maybe I'm crazy and then like some crazy sign would come through and I think that ultimately that faith is your light that candle right and so like all these doubts all these social pressures all of these you know algorithms and things that mm. we feel like that we are working with if you're working in that faith like why when they're showing themselves to you why wouldn't you just keep going to see where that is and and ultimately in life if you don't take chances you're not going to get far you're just going to do the same thing over and over again and that's just mm. not me personally right. i i don't like redundancy so um i feel that the more problematic, the more I, I felt like I hit the ground or or I like hit a low, the higher or like that high would come mm. through again, that lightning bolt would come through. And I think that w when you have that over and over again, it's kind of hard not to have faith. Mm -hmm. um, you know, something that my guides told me is that faith is universal, um, but singular truth is not. So in the moments that you're in, whatever truth you have, and you know, we talk about this in bhakti, you're looking through a mirror or you're looking through a window. And if you're feeling dirty and gross inside, your your window is going to be dirty and gross. 
your right. truth isn't really universal. It's just your singular truth, mm -hmm. but that faith is universal. So keeping that in mind, um, I think it, it, it helps to clean that window, that right. outlook. How do you clean your window? Cause I know we all have our different tools. Yeah. Um, you know, in my personal practice, um, I study a lot of the Western mysteries tradition, which is uh, mystical Kabbalah, Hermeticism, alchemy, um, Enochian, Solomonic magic, ceremonial magic. But at the core of my practice is bhakti, which mm. is uh, yoga of devotion. So being heart centered is really important. And I worked hard to get there because... <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, life is really tough and we all mm -hmm. go through our, our hurdles and our, our battles. And it's sometimes it's hard not to feel jaded or coarse or or covered or, or protective of yourself. But in those moments, I remind myself to come from a place of love and nurturing and, and, and continuing to evolve that because when I'm doing it to the outside world, I'm doing it to the inside world, mm -hmm. right? And so um, I find that that constant practice of of going, okay, hold on, like, yes, this sucks, but mm -hmm. this person's doing the best they can. I'm doing the best I can. This is not a personal affront, you know, like really, and it's a practice. Mm -hmm. It's not something inherent. So really making that practice and softening my judgment on myself and others like I, I feel like that really helps clean that window are there physical rituals that accompany that that help remind you of that practice you know the biggest one is um when I am when I have a lot on my plate remembering mm -hmm. to rest Oh, yeah. That that is the most important ritual, you know. Like I, I mean, I I do practice cer ceremonial magic, but ultimately that's what it is, you know. Like taking a step back before I burn out, because as much as you know, my altar is a big part of my work. My room is a big part of my work. My physical life, life, my actionable life is the ritual itself. So. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm a mom and I own a business and I have a family and, you know, trying to take the 10 minutes or 20 minutes to meditate or to channel or to do the practice. Like, yeah, I, I make that time, but mm -hmm. making time for yourself to just turn off yeah. is very important. It's so, it's so important. And it's a practice. If we're talking about bhakti, it's a practice of the ultimate self-compassion, Right. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So going back to this, this last precipice, you're standing at the edge of this pre precipice. I would like uh, you to talk us through what your work was leading up to here before this last shift. Sure. So um, I, I um, you know, I'm, I'm a psychic medium and um, I do communicate with my guides, my guardians, whoever, mm -hmm. constantly, all the time. And it's not just being in meditation and channeling. I really have learned and I'm, I'm very blessed to have come in a family that taught me how to learn how nature speaks to you. So the subtle energies in life, you know, it's it's uh, synchronicities, right? Right. Um, 
And so I, I, there was a part, a time in my life, maybe about two years ago, where it was just so intense. I knew that there was something going on. And it led me to the Akashic Records, which I'd been familiar with um, in my teens. And um, I started practicing around other Akashic practitioners. And every time I got a reading and every time I channeled, the same message would come through. And it was like, you are supposed to pull down a new modality. You are supposed to start a curriculum. You're supposed to do all this stuff. And right, and supposed to kind of feels like expectation. So I'm like, I don't know. What does that mean? Who am I? What am I supposed to teach? And, mm-hmm. you know, and <clears throat> there was like a moment where I, I realized that as Divine Void, and at the time it was Divine Void Botanica, I was really trying to show up as what other people wanted, what would ca- catch attention. And, you know, I think it's natural for us as human beings to see um, a formula of success and say, okay, I need to follow that formula. But then there was a, a moment where I started feeling like I'm not aligned. Like this isn't who I right. am. I, I don't want to do these kind of readings. I don't want to do all of this stuff. And I don't want to follow the mold because that's not who I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've always been the one that's like, I want to do what you tell me not to do. Like that's, (laughs) I'm there with you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like I was (laughs) a very challenging person to manage when I worked in the corporate world, (laughs) but, but, you know, um, so, so I, I, you know, I kept following this and I kept hearing things like, oh, you're going to work angels and you're going to this and you're going to do that. So I, I kept trying to force it. I kept trying to, you know, say, okay, um, I'm going to look up angels and I'm going to look up this. And I'm going to try to create it, but it just wasn't working. And mm-hmm. so I surrendered. I just stopped. And what I did was I took away readings mm-hmm. um, because I, I, when you're in the Akashic records, there is a very specific energy. Um, there's a, a specific sound feeling. Um, and I realized that when I was channeling, I was not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't in good conscience say, okay, I'm going to charge people for an Akashic records reading when I'm not in the records anymore, when mm-hmm. I'm not resonating with that frequency at this time. And that was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously that is the bulk of my income. But while I had that space, I started really, that's when things started shifting. That's when things started mm-hmm. moving. I started to get more into who I was, who, mm-hmm. who I am as a practitioner, what I am looking for, what I'm doing. And all I had was that nugget that you're supposed to bring down this new modality. You're supposed to speak and create a school and create this curriculum. And I all I could do in that time is surrender to whatever was coming through and just mm-hmm. follow it. And what I realized is in all of the messages and channelings that I would get, I would feel really close and then sharp turn right. and it would keep happening. Um, right. It really started around the time I lost my grandmother, who is my she was my mother and she uh, was also a magical practitioner. And um, I saw a post from, 
I, I don't remember what it was, but it was an Egyptian steel. And I, I just thought that was really cool. It was like uh, something about this, this city, this ancient city was lost to the sea and they found all of these um, steels and, and statues and whatnot. And so when I drove down to Virginia to say my final goodbye to my grandmother, um, that same hidden city, mm -hmm. um, there was an exhibit at a museum. And I was oh, like, wow. okay, like, <laughs> there is a reason I have to go check this out. And when I went there, you know, there wasn't this huge feeling of, oh, this is familiar. Oh, I'm getting, like, it wasn't like that. But it was kind of like, oh, yeah. Like, of course, there was mm -hmm. an of course feeling. Um, and after that, I started dreaming in Hebrew. I don't speak mm -hmm. Hebrew. Um, so I started writing everything down. And um, I started keeping notes of every dream and channel that I had for the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. And looking back at it, I started to piece everything together. So um, I just went on this crazy, like, fox hunt. Um, and that's, that's what the precipice was, was just pushing me and forcing me to surrender. Mm. You just let it happen versus forcing it to happen, right? Because you say, like, yeah. we get so caught up in the future, um, we almost want to will it to happen, but it's yeah. not really up to us. It's up to us to say, like, am I going to follow? Am I especially with the financial piece, especially when your spiritual oh practice is tied to the finances because you're like, okay, great, I'll follow, I'll let go, but I have to pay the electric bill. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because during that time when I got rid of that piece, um, all of a sudden we sold our house. And all of a sudden we bought a house and we didn't have cash to do that. But my husband, like, it, you know, little things like my husband did some kind of like, I don't know, NFT baseball card thing. And mm -hmm. he hit and we sold one for $4,000. Oh, wow. And all of a sudden we had like an extra 10000 that came to, like, there was just weird, interesting things that were happening for money. And it was kind of like, like, I know that I know what this is. Like, I know right. that I'm working on another frequency. This isn't, you know, I can't be so worried about it. Um, and I, I had the dream when my grandmother passed that she was like, look, my grandmother was really poor. We grew up in poverty. And she was like, you're going to get a new house. This is your inheritance. And I, I was kind of like, I don't know how this is going to happen. And so when it started to happen, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is why it's happening. And I've learned over time that as long as I am moving in faith, stuff comes through. Like we'll always get like a random check or a random whatever, or our insurance got messed up and now we're owed a thousand dollars, like things like that was happening. And so that helped me continue the faith mm -hmm. that like, look, I'm doing the right thing. Look, I'm taking a big chance. And I mean, outside of that, it's still hard your day to day, but you know, it's those moments like that I said, like that happened that like makes you, okay, yes, I'm on the right track. I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Cause it's so hard when like the, it feels like the outside world is acting on you and then your nerves are wired, right? Like when, when you're like looking for money or when you get sued or when all these, a pandemic and war and all these things and you're like, 
how do I trust and let go and open my heart and move in faith? Um, I think that's the toughest part. Yeah, totally. And I think that when we're talking about compassion and surrendering, you know, one of the biggest things that happened to me was the birth of my daughter. Um, When I gave birth, she stopped breathing. And there was two dreams right before she was born where I, one where I was screaming at the doctors and nurses and I was like, she's not breathing. She's turning blue. You're not doing anything. And then I had another dream where they said, uh, pray to Archangel Michael and Archangel Gabriel. And so when that happened, they, I, I'll never forget, I was holding her. We just got moved into the room and we had these huge windows and birds and dragonflies were hitting the window over and over again. Like it was so crazy. Like my husband was like, what, <laughs> this is, this is insane. And all of a sudden I had a panic attack a severe, so bad that I thought I was going to drop her. So he took her and at that moment, a nurse came in and she said, Hey, like, do you want us to take the baby to the nursery so you can get some sleep? Now I wasn't planning on doing that, but because I was panicking, I did. Mm -hmm. And we really lucked out because that panic attack saved her because she turned purple in, um, the, the nursery. If we had fallen asleep, she would have died. Right. Um, and so she was in the NICU for 10 days and I, I had to reach out and ask people for help and ask people to pray and ask people for whatever it was that they could. And when we finally got her home, I opened myself up to receiving help and I'm, you know, a highly independent person. I'm mm-hmm. one of those, you know, I had surgery and like, didn't tell anybody, like I'm, I'm right. one of those, I'm very private. And it really helped me open up to receiving. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that was what helped move me into this bigger piece of surrendering and receiving. Prior to that, had you had any connection to the the world of the angels or angels in particular? You know, I, when I was really young, I remember having, I, I had dreams about St. Augustine. Hmm. and uh archangel michael and um but i wasn't raised christian or anything Hmm. so like i didn't really know what that meant and i didn't really know i i didn't know you know and i always had this like weird memory of like the war of angels and i would talk to my grandmother about it and she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I would ask people and nobody knew what I was talking because about. Because what gra- background is your grandmother that you're asking? Uh, my grandmother is a root worker. So she practiced folk magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she was really into plants, um, really into talking to ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> so our family, we practiced that. And so it was kind of like, quote, one person per generation mm-hmm. would be chosen. So her grandmother taught her and then my grandmother taught me. Mm-hmm. But there's um, no connection to Christianity in that none. family. No, which is crazy because we were, we grew up in the South where there is like more churches than there were gas stations in our town. Oh, I know. But, I'm in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So like, my, but my grandmother never went and I, I didn't understand. And she was just like, right. she was like, God is in nature. God is mm-hmm. not in a building. So, um, you know, I, I really didn't understand what that meant. And even uh, other practitioners that I knew, um, you know, I would ask them, like, do you know anything about the War of the Angels? Do you know anything? Like, and, you know, nobody said anything. 
when I, right before I got pregnant with my daughter, I, I remember waking up because I was here hearing bells and I was like in between, uh, you know, hypnagogic, like in between sleep and awake. Mm -hmm. And I saw this being, but it was just so intense. I told them to stop because my heart felt like it was going to explode. Mm -hmm. And I, there was like a knowing that this was Gabriel. And then like, not even a month later, I got pregnant. So that was wow. like the most intense feeling I got from an angel mm -hmm. and you know it, all of this has become more of a recent development with with the angels but I I'm, how, I'm assuming this has always been in my field right. <laughs> about how recent would you say like the last few months uh, I would say in the past like year and a half two years okay that it, it's it's since since the birth of my daughter it is continue to intensify. Okay. So we're at, so we're back at the precipice. You've been doing yes. shadow work and you've had these visions and dreams and you've been working with angels for the last year and a half. What begins to happen now? So, um, I took a Akashic or I have been taking an Akashic records, uh, teaching course and it ends in April mm -hmm. and I knew this was something I wanted to do and I uh, you know I, I took this with Helen Vonderheide who is an Akashic Records leader in the community um, and her whole thing was veering off of Linda Howe's grip on the Akashic Records. I feel um, the records have become almost like a place so people kind of identify this as this is a library that holds all the records and you know it's almost become almost as casual as like reiki and there's nothing mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that but you know there are some reiki practitioners where you're like whoa this is real and then there's some people that take it and you're like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> you know the, um and i just kind of feel like i don't know if this is the correct way of saying this but i'm just gonna say it it's mm -hmm. almost like this idea of the Akashic Records has been like colonized. You know, mm -hmm. we're all settling in. Um, and coming from the yoga background, I understand Akasha as, you know, the etheric field, this higher field, mm -hmm. um, sort of like in, you know, Kabbalistic studies, you have like Ein Sof, Ein Sof Or, like that's how I understand mm -hmm. it. It's a field of energy. Um, and I think it's more than this one place. And if you, you know, look into things like revelations and, you know, Gnostic practices, they say there's, well, everyone says something different, but, you know, there's 36 <laughs> layers of, of heavens or there's five layers of heaven. So there's layers to this, mm -hmm. there's layers to this frequency. Um, so I, when I took her class, I told her like, look, I'm, I'm not in the records. I don't want to do this as like the Akashic records teacher training. Mm -hmm. And she's like really big on whatever is true to your frequency, go for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it allowed me to attune and harmonize to what was trying to, and at my field, mm -hmm. um, and accept it. And as I took this, class the signs and the symbols and the everything intensified 
mm-hmm. um, all of my channelings, all of, I started to audibly hear um, and physically smell and uh, it just, it, it just became more and more apparent. So again, I'm in this place of surrendering. So I'm like, let's navigate through this. <laughs> So I'm taking this training. I'm also, you know, studying and practicing Kabbalah, Dematria. I'm looking more into um, ceremonial magic. And so at I, this point, you're reading again. I well, I'm yes. I think I started reading maybe about a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I would say this is in the past like year. Okay. Um, and what I I started pulling in different forms of energy work that they wanted me to work with and to help people with. And so I released those. So that was like vectorization and harmonization. Um, And I think that was still kind of (laughs) over a lot of people's heads, which is fine, you know? Um, And as I, kind of got into this practice, it seemed like all these things I was studying and gravitating towards. So, you know, all of the Western mystery stuff, um, all of my own channelings, this Akashic work, um, everything that I was reading um, through the Red Book um, by uh, Carl Jung, everything that I was reading through Edward Edgar Case, everything that I was reading through Alan Kardec was starting to kind of pull in Hmm. and I was starting to see kind of like bridges right because Mm -hmm. like these things are written in different time periods away from each other and so the biggest thing that I learned is language um there I think there's like a in the medium book by Alan Kardec there's a line where one of the spirits say something to the effect of like you know, you humans fight over language so much. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you think you're going to speak to us? You take everything so literal. And <laughs> and that's true, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm looking at these different things that are channeled through Edgar Case, the things that are coming in through the Red Book. I'm looking at uh, the Lesser and Greater Keys of Solomon and uh, John Dee's Enochian um, Levinoth, the book that he wrote. And I'm realizing there's, parts of it that they just lacked the language for and mm-hmm. didn't really um, came through, come through to later. And so I started to layer what the stuff meant after, you know, years or centuries of, of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that everyone had this common thing going on, um, a common practice a common way of achieving it, but they were just in different time periods. And it's funny. I was like, I was, I was channeling the one day and I was like, um, I said something like, what does it mean to me to be sovereign? And they laughed and they said, Sophia, your obsession with Royal history, like (laughs) we're not understanding why you can't see why this is so important Mm. and it clicked like my obsession with history is why I read all of these books and why Mm. I'm I'm very interested and and the royalty is that ultimately like our lives our field our being is our kingdom 
mm-hmm. how we rule our kingdom. And that's all anybody was looking for. How do we understand and resolve our mm-hmm. kingdom out without the outside forces of other kingdoms? So right. um, I, I thought that was really, truly interesting. And, you know, things things started to kind of, again, like line up in the puzzle, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until I had my recent panic attack with my daughter. Um, I took some time with that. Um, I was really, really scared and it was the most furthest away from quote sanity I'd ever felt. And Mm -hmm. my mother is, um, my mother suffers from, um, multiple personalities and schizophrenia and so I grew up with that and it's a terrifying thing to grow up with and Mm -hmm. being sane has always quote sane has always been very important to me so when I veered so far off I got really nervous about it I took time alone again and what I realized was I had a, a very complicated relationship with my biological mother because she gave me up when I was young and I never Mm -hmm. understood why she couldn't get it together why she left me and I felt my whole life like I wasn't accepted like I wasn't loved like all of the things that you try to reparent yourself to Mm -hmm. why I couldn't trust anybody my fear of abandonment um my sense of not belonging Mm -hmm. and it dawned on me that in the 80s, my mother suffered from postpartum and she didn't have a support system and mental health wasn't as important. And so what she did was she gave me up out of love because in the mm-hmm. moment that I had that panic attack, I would have done anything to make sure Esme was safe. Right. And the moment that I realized that I had to be in her shoes, it, it took away a lifetime of burden a lifetime of hurt and a lifetime of feeling like I wasn't good enough, feeling like I wasn't loved, feeling like I didn't belong, feeling like I wasn't important. And it gave me so much compassion for her and also for myself as a young mother, because my son, I had him when I was 19. Mm -hmm. Um, When I realized that it was like a lightning bolt. When I released all of that, it was like something had to take the place you know, it's like when we sage mm-hmm. or we clear a space, we put good smells back in, we put good energy mm-hmm. back in. It was like this lightning bolt came through and that's where it brought me to this work. And um, I remember saying like, who is here? And they said the monarchs. Now, I had never heard of any angelic choirs. I even looked it up. I was like, what are the different ones? What what could like connect? Maybe it's a language thing. Never heard of any of that. And um, once I started to, when I grabbed that and started to roll with it mm-hmm. is when this new work started to develop. And it really gave me a true understanding of like, you know, um, I do have something to offer and I am loved and I am supported and I'm never alone. Mm-hmm. And, um, the practice of the last year of figuring out who I am, what I have to offer, who matters was a very important part of absorbing what needed to come through. 
That's such, it's such an important lesson, I think, for all of us. Like, if we're able to physically give ourselves that space and then to have the strength and the faith to really, like, sit through it, which sometimes is the toughest part, so many miracles and breakthroughs can happen as they've happened for you. I know I'm, I'm in a period in time where I'm like, if somebody will just tell me what to do, I will do it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> while simultaneously knowing that I, whatever somebody tells me to do, I'm going to do the opposite. So yeah. it's a fun place to be. Um, but I do pray that more people take the space and that I take more space to be able to hold that great compassion for myself. Um, I think that like, you know, there are so many times in the past two years where I was like, just tell me what it is. <laughs> right. Or I have clients that are like, why can't I know right now? Well, I mean, there's a process to everything, you know, it's like the 76ers trust the process <laughs> through the, it's not about the destination. Hmm. It's about the journey. There's such a process through that, you know, that's, you talk about like the hero's journey or mm -hmm. Jesus's journey, or it's always the journey itself that, um, cultivates that the wisdom. So right. if I had known what I know now, two years ago, it wouldn't be the same because I wouldn't truly understand and have been saturated in the practice of it. Exactly. So your role now through your work, you describe it as empowering one's own sovereignty. Yes. So how would you describe that? So I think that, you know, um, I, I worked in sales and marketing for mm. a really long time before I decided to take this practice. And something I noticed um, in the wellness world or the spiritual mm -hmm. world is there's, you know, buzzwords, right? Um, you know, there's, I saw sovereignty being thrown all over the place, right? Then I thought, like, what does that really mean, though? Like, what is the definition of that? And mm -hmm. in, in anything that somebody is offering, are you truly teaching somebody how to do that? Or are you saying it to A, sound good, or mm -hmm. B, you're not even sure of, of, of what it is, what that truly means. You just know you're supposed to, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that comes down to the formulation. We're supposed to be sovereign. Well, right. what does that truly mean? Does that mean like I'm supposed to be myself? Does that mean that I'm supposed to, you know, what What does it mean, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and that goes back to my channeling. I was like, what does that mean for me to be sovereign? And they're like, Sophia, <laughs> your <laughs> obsession with royalty. And I'm like, I still don't get it. And so <laughs> I, I, I started like watching, I love, you know, time pieces. I started watching a bunch of time pieces and I'd go in these like Wikipedia holes and I, I I realized something that was pretty interesting. Something that's always said about these royal beings is that they are appointed by God. And, but they have a kingdom to rule. And so the ones that feel entitled to it suffer and struggle. Mm. But the ones that actually seep into the dirt and seep into the wars and seep themselves into the structures of their kingdom can truly understand how it operates and how it works. There's times to be strong. There's times to be merciful. There's, you know, and that has a lot to do with being a, a true 
and tied leader. And regardless if you're quote appointed by God, you can be either or. Mm -hmm. One thing that I always see in all of my studies is that we are divine within ourselves, whether we are, you know, molded in the, in the, um, image of God, or if we hold that divinity within, or we are a piece and we need to remember whatever it is, we have a part of it. We have mm -hmm. it. So I connected that, like, if we are appointed by God, if we have this piece of God, you know, it's ultimately like, how do we navigate holding down our kingdom? Because you can have a lot of guides and, and scholars and people around telling you what to do. But it's ultimately up to your discernment. How do you figure it out? And the only way you can do that is to navigate it yourself. Um, and so something that I've noticed coming back onto social media, I'm seeing a lot more um, curriculum or classes that are, quote, attuning you to yourself or attuning you to the economy records or attuning you to whatever. And I think this is amazing, right? Because mm -hmm. I think that we are in a turning point in the world where collectively we are saying, yes, we recognize this. We want to connect. We want to reconnect again. And there's a, a mm -hmm. great remembering that everyone's talking about. And from what my guides have told me or, you know, whoever's talking to me told me is that there is an ushering of lots of information. And so microcosmically, we can see this in technologies. There's mm -hmm. major shifts in technologies, and that is just reflective of what's happening in the universe. But they want more co-collaboration collaboration from us. And I think a lot of people think that whatever spirit says or what is out there, we're mm -hmm. either supposed to follow or we're supposed to do, but ultimately, again, we're appointed by God. We have this divinity. So we can collaborate. We can say yes or no. We can say this mm -hmm. works for me. This doesn't work for me. Right. And I think that is what is truly sovereign, understanding how to listen to the information, absorb what works for you, park what's in the back for later, maybe mm -hmm. navigating your own system and collaborating with the larger forces. That's what I feel is truly sovereign because ultimately your decisions, understanding whether they're wrong or right, there is no wrong or right. When you say appointed by God, going back to the word appointment, do you believe that a greater being, greater than ourselves, gives us an appointment, something to do, or does it get he, she, it's they, give us an appointment at any given time, and then it is up to our discernment and our desire to either take on that appointment or not so first off to say god again going back to language um <laughs> you know that is they them right. Right. <laughs> divine being whatever creator <laughs> so you know i know a lot of people have some stigma that's connected mm -hmm. to uh, i want to make that clear first mm -hmm. off. but under this creator i do feel that there are, it's a twofold question. Again, when we go back to faith being universal and truth being singular, um, it's really up to us to navigate and find our, our truth and our pathway 
-hmm. because that pathway, everything we do resonates throughout the universe, creates mm -hmm. ripples, creates effects, moves. And so even the littlest things to us that feel not so important are an appointment. They mm -hmm. are something very important. Um, so that's one way. The second way I would say is that there is a level that we may have a higher calling or feel a stronger connection to that calling. And I think that that comes over time with karmic destiny and, and where you're at. Mm -hmm. um, it is up to you to, or your soul to will and to dare. And that's something we learn in the Western mysteries tradition, you know, to be able to will it and to dare to do it. Um, so, so yes, overall, mm -hmm. but even in the most mundane ways, that is an appointment. Brilliant. I think we're at time, but if we could ever do a part two of this, I'm down. Um, what I would love is for you to describe if someone's ready to own their own sovereignty, to become empowered, and to do this work with you, where can they go? Um, so my website is uh, divinevoidsophia.com. Uh, my Instagram is at divinevoidsophia. Um, I do have a Patreon. Everything is linked onto my Instagram and on my website. Um, I do have curriculum coming. So everything we talked about, mm -hmm. I've molded into um, a four-part series. Um, and ultimately, it's, you know, it's less about the attunement and more about helping the navigation system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with every teacher that is teaching these attunements or or whatever it is, we all have our own filter. And I, I do feel that mine has a lot to do with understanding the language and the navigation of how this not only lives in the spiritual world in your in your ethnic sphere, but also in your everyday life. Um, so that should be releasing in March and all of that information will be on Instagram and on my site. I'm excited to see it. Thank you so much for returning to the podcast and raining down this wisdom on us. <laughs> I always enjoy our time together. Same, same. I do too. All right. Hope to see you soon. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. Take care.